Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. Hey, we're in week two of our forgiveness series, but we're going to remind you that God is good. That's right. All the time. Come on. And all the time. God is good. Amen. We can't forget it. Hey, I'm super excited. We're going to have Elizabeth Beck share this morning. Uh, Fred and Elizabeth are elders here at Redeeming Love. Uh, they've been saved for uh, probably as long 100 as... 100 years. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> and they know the Lord. They've walked with the Lord. They serve uh, relentlessly in the house of God. Anything uh, that we ask them to do, hey, can you do this? Absolutely. They, they are a can-do couple. Uh, they know the word inside and out. Uh, they share the word uh, in season and out of season. Uh, their life is a model of what Christians should look like. So it's my honor to have Elizabeth share the word this morning. Thank Amen. You. Thank you. So I was super excited when Pastor Matt last year um, <laughs> asked me to share on forgiveness. Well, actually, he put out a thing and said, you know, if, if you're interested. And that one just jumped right at me. Um, I think forgiveness is uh, a hard topic, but an, a needed topic. And then it's super easy once you just, it's like forgiveness and put that in parentheses and maybe in grayscale and then in bright red with flashing lights, just put Jesus. Because once you find Jesus, you have forgiveness. Um, so, you know, that's it. My message is over. Oh, no, sorry. Good job. <laughs> You're all like, yes, we're out of here early. <laughs> but honestly, um, you know, last week, Pastor Matt said a couple things during his message, and I was like, what? Like, he must have snuck into my house, into my office, into my little book here. But I was like, you know, it just adds on itself, right? When we have a series, we add on, on whatever the series is. Like, God was good. You know, you can say in one week a lot of things, but as you add on it, that's what really seeps into your spirit, and that's what, what brings change in your life. So last week he said, um, are we concerned about our own eternal well-being? And then he went on to ask that if we don't forgive ourselves, where is our eternal well-being? And will we second-guess all the things that God does in our lives. All those God moments where God is moving, will we second guess it? And I had written down something similar to that. And really that's, that's what we're going to talk about today is do we believe that we've been forgiven? Because I think there are a lot of people out there, me included, who tend to dwell on our sin. We make it our pet, right? We look at it over and over and over. And then you know, we start to doubt things that are going on in our lives. Um, so we're going to consider those things today and a lot more. We're going to take a look at ourselves um, to see if we're really walking in the image and likeness of Christ. So, you know, get your squirms out because nobody likes to look in the spiritual mirror at our souls. We don't. We really don't. But we're going to today. And can I just tell you... Um, I have no problem speaking in front of people. Public speaking is not a fear of mine. But this week was really difficult as I put this together because all the things that I thought that I had, you know, wrestled with started coming up again. Those little flashbacks of life where you've given it to God, but you kept a copy, you know, you kept it in your pocket. 
that happens, right? So um, we're not going to talk about unconfessed sin. We, we talk about that a lot here, right? We want you to confess your sin. You confess your sin to Christ. You get saved. You move forward. We're going to talk about all those sins that you have confessed, things that you've laid at the foot of the cross. And then when we say, you know, you're forgiven because the Bible says you're forgiven and God says you're forgiven, you go, who, me? Really? Uh, uh, I was pretty bad. I did some things, you know. But that's really where we're going to go. We need to talk about the sin we've already given to God and that he's already forgiven. Because if you, ask, if you have ever asked yourself, have you really forgiven me? The answer is yes. God has forgiven you. God's forgiven me. Okay? Amen. We need to get that inside our spirit. We're going to turn, if you will, to 1 John 1 verse 9. Okay? If we confess our sins, we confess, number one. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, it's a building block of our salvation, right? That we're forgiven. We're not going to get saved if we don't go to God and say, I'm a sinner, because the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we need to admit that we sin. But the Bible then clearly says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so why can't we believe it? If it's the building block of salvation, why can't we believe it? And if we don't fully grasp it, and listen, let me tell you, I am so bad at this. I really struggle with the fact that, that I am not a good person and that God has made me good. God has made me good because he's cleansed me from my sins, that I'm worth it in his eyes to work on me, to not leave me the person that I was. And I'm not 100 years old, for those of you out there. I'm not. I'm old. I just look good. He's old too, and he looks good. That's it. Takes a lot of work, a lot of makeup, a lot of clothes to do this. But you know what? For the time that I've been in the Lord, which is a long time, I have to grasp, grab a hold of the fact sometimes that all those things that I hold against me, God has forgiven so don't raise your hand, but how many of us in our hearts have confessed sin and then played with it in our mind over and over because we didn't feel forgiven? So let's talk for a minute about the fact that it doesn't matter what you feel. Feelings are emotions. Emotions are a beautiful thing. Love is a beautiful thing, okay? Um, you know, happiness, joy is a beautiful thing. But just because you don't feel forgiven doesn't mean you're not. Sometimes those moments where we confess to God the smallest thing or the largest thing are not lightning bolt moments. God does not, he has never in my life, maybe he has in yours, blazed something on my lawn and said, you're forgiven, okay? Um, I haven't gotten a note in the mail. Um, most of the time it's been me crying my eyes out or simply just confessing because I know what I did was wrong. And knowing and having that assurance that Christ said he died on the cross for my sins, so I'm forgiven, okay? Um, we self-punish, I think, because of this. God says, go and sin no more. So I'm pretty sure I already sinned today. I'm pretty sure I did because I got angry at the three other outfits that are on my bed waiting now to be rehung because nothing looked right. 
Nothing looked right. I looked to this, I looked to that. It was too long, I can't wear heels. And I got angry because I wear this brace for a reason. It's not, um, you know, jewelry, but I do wear it for a reason. So I can't really wear heels. So I, I already got angry this morning. That's a sin, all right? We just can't forgive ourselves because we know we're going to sin again. But it's okay. Don't live there. Don't do the same sin over and over. A mistake is when you didn't know it was wrong. Okay? If a mistake is when you didn't know it was wrong. Once you know it's wrong, don't do it again. Try very hard not to do it again. If you do do it again, ask for forgiveness. If it becomes more of a habit that you do the wrong thing, seek counsel, get help, read the word of God. We're going to get into that later. Okay? I am one of those people who early on in my Christian walk would confess my sins to God. And, and I was a dabbler. Can I tell you that? I was a dabbler. I was saved when I was five. I really super recommitted my life to the Lord when I was 15. But I was a dabbler, okay? I, I could talk the talk. I often didn't walk the walk. Um, as I got a little older, I really tried to walk the walk. Um, but I didn't surround myself always by people who were positive influences. Um, and so I found myself repenting often about the same things. And then once I felt like I'd conquered that thing, okay? My mother was a habitual liar. She didn't know the difference between truth and a lie, okay? Awesome woman of God, but she lied all the time. And it became a way of life for her. She'd give you the shirt off her back. She loved Jesus. She told people about Jesus, but her, she lived in this imaginary world sometimes. Um, and so we, we were raised lying. We lied a lot, my sister and I. Didn't we, Cheryl? I know you're watching. Um, so Shirley and I lied a lot. We lied to each other. We lied to our parents. We lied to our friends. We lied to teachers. So as I really committed my life to the Lord, I had to start saying, Lord, I don't want to lie. I want to be a truthful person. I want to be a person that people can trust my words. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I say it's done, it's done, that they could trust me. But because of the, the seasons in my life where lying was such a huge part of my life, I would ask God to forgive me, and then I'd write it on a piece of paper, an imaginary piece of paper, and I'd keep it. Then I'd make a copy of it. So I started thinking about that as I was doing, um, you know, putting the message together, and I realized that all my sins would not fit on a sheet of paper they wouldn't even fit on a ream of paper, which is 500 sheets, and I know that because my husband's a printer, or a carton of paper, which is, I think, 2,500 sheets, or all the paper in the world, I don't think I could do that. So I wouldn't really be able to copy it, but that, that's the kind of person I was. I would do something, and I would confess, and I so wanted to please God. When I really recommitted my life to the Lord, I wanted to be a good Christian young adult, because I was a young adult, but I would keep these copies of things and I would self-punish. When God was doing something good in my life, I'd be like, I don't deserve that, Lord. You know, I don't. I, you know, I spent a lot of years doing wrong stuff. Looking back, there was a lot of, of things in my life, like I said, that needed to change. But one of the things I think that needed to change was the fact that I needed to fully understand that God is faithful and he is just, right? Isn't that what we read he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. God is faithful. There is nothing that God will ever say through his word that he's going to do or that he's done that he will fail to do. 
I will. I will totally fail to do it. Not all the time, but sometimes stuff happens, right? You know, I learned in my late 20s, never tell somebody you're going to pray for them if you're not going to pray for them. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know what I've learned to say? As I think of that, I will pray for you. A short pencil is better than a long memory. Write it down. If you really sincerely want to pray for somebody, write it down. Put it someplace where you're going to see it. You know, I don't have my phone up here. Pastor Matt's good with his phone, right? Like he, boom, 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 boom. If you're that person, then boom, boom, boom it. Send an alarm. Do what you, write, write it down one way or another. But God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't at all. He is faithful and he is just. You know what? There's a consequence for your actions. If God thinks that something needs to happen because of the sin that you confessed, rest assured it's going to happen. Little, little tap on the hand or whatever. He'll put somebody in your life to, to cause you to be accountable. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a consequence, right? Now I have to be accountable. That person's going to ask me if I read my Bible. He's not going to ask you about your sin. Your sin is gone. You've confessed it to God. But you know what? Sometimes we need a little help. We need somebody to spur us on to get us closer to God, okay? Um, lost my place. Have to find it. Um, we don't, you know, I think sometimes we think we have to qualify things to God too, you know? We say things like, um, you know, God, I, I'm in a situation, I'm in a situation that causes me to X, Y, or Z. Well, you know, I'm not God, and I'm thankful that I'm not, but he already knows you're in that situation. I think more or less you need to ask yourself why you are. Why are you in that situation? How did I get there? And how do I get out of it is better, right? So I know from what I've shared, right, saved at five, recommitted at 15, dabbled in the Lord, that it wasn't until I got perfectly serious that I could go before God and not want to be in those situations. But again, we're not talking about confessing our sin. We're talking about sin that's confessed. Can I just tell you, the longer you stay in sin, the harder it is to believe you're forgiven. It rots your brain. It becomes the sponge in your life that is just going to keep attracting water, that's just going to keep weighing you down. You know, a dry sponge weighs nothing, right? You, you put water in a sponge, it's got some heft to it. You water your spirit with things that shouldn't be watered with, and your spirit gets weighed down, okay? Um, sometimes being in those situations puts us in a place where it freshens our spirit to that sin again and then we have like these flashback memories i don't like movies with flashbacks they they make me insane and and then i feel like you know am i there am i here but when a flashback memory comes to you because of a sin that maybe you committed 20 years ago or last week or whatever um it's annoying right and and it it puts us in a place where we have now awakened our spirit to the sin that was. And then we dwell more on that than on the things of God. We spend more time thinking about, did I ever say I'm sorry to that person? 
that person never said they're sorry, you know, to me. If, if that's the case, listen to last week's message because you need to forgive them, right? But when you're spending more time dwelling on sins that you've already talked to God about and not spending that time with God, there's a problem. There's a problem. And you know what? You need to, it's done. It's gone. The minute those thoughts and those flashbacks come, I have trained myself to pray in the spirit. You know, sometimes I'm just walking along and something will hit my mind and it's like, I got to pray in the spirit. Because if I start even praying, I'll start praying about that thing. That thing is gone. It's at the foot of the cross. Jesus died for my sin. So why am I going over and over it? It's, to me, and I don't give the enemy a lot of credit, but sometimes it's just an attack of the enemy. He's trying to bring you down. He's trying to put you in a place where your mind is not active with the things of God. It's active with the things that are not of God. So don't do it. Just don't do it. Let's look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. Love this psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all, all. Have it tattooed on your hand, all. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. I love that one. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who forgives all all your iniquities, right? So, you know, I goofed up when I was 20. I goofed up when I was 30. I goofed up yesterday when I was, I'm not going to tell you. Um, but God forgives all. I don't try to do the same sin over and over. I know that there are always things I'm working on, okay? Getting angry this morning at my clothes was stupid, okay? I mean, it was just Amen. dumb. I was a little, you know, um, <laughs> You know, throwing them in. I mean, I didn't have to do that. I could have behaved differently. And I know that seems like a small thing to you, but to me, it's not, okay? So that's something I have to work on. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, when God says he forgives all your iniquities, that includes the bad stuff. I, I know I classify my sins, I rank them in order. You know, like, that's not so bad. That's bad. That's not so bad. Eh, that's medium bad. You know, they're all bad. Sin is sin. Yeah. If you read in the Bible, um, and I'm losing the chapter and verse, but the paragraph in the Bible, if you know it, shout it out, Pastor Matt, um, where it says, and this and lying and cheating and adultery and all the, I mean, you read that and our minds go, whoa, I haven't committed adultery. Oh. But I was raised in a house of liars, <laughs> you know? Lying was a thing for me. It's a bad sin. That's why I tell people, I won't lie for my husband. I won't lie for my kids. I won't lie for Pastor Matt and Pastor Stacy. I won't lie because I've been delivered from that. Does it crop up? It absolutely crops up. It is a temptation, right? But I'm not going to go there because I've lived there and I know how hurtful and deceptive it is. So you just don't do it, okay? Um... So the bad stuff we've done, it's all bad stuff. And he forgives all of it all the time. It's like a modern-day miracle, right? 
just don't go there. And if you are there, if, if you have asked God to forgive you and you still feel like, like you have that in your life, you need to be delivered of that. You need to spend time. We're, we're going to go through that. I'm getting ahead of myself here. But we self-condemn. We self-condemn. And when we do that, we're really saying that God does not forgive us. We're lying to ourselves, okay? And it's not just a lack of faith. It's a lack of belief that God wants to do it for us. And it's not a lack, lack of belief in who God is, but in his willingness to forgive everything. Some of us come from religion that said you had to pay a price for your sin. You had to do this or you do that, right? Yeah. You, you had to pray a prayer. You had to do this. And all God is saying, confess your sin and I will forgive you. So we need to have that belief. We need to understand that religion doesn't forgive us, okay? Pastor Matt's only going to forgive me if I offend him. If I, if I lie to him and I have to go to him and say, Pastor Matt, I lied about that. Please forgive me. He forgives me. First, I'm going to go to my Heavenly Father. And then I'm going to go to the person. But I have to believe that God forgives me, and, and then I have to believe that Pastor Matt's going to forgive me. I have to believe my best friend's going to forgive me. I have to believe that I'm forgiven. Yeah. So it's really a belief thing. We're not bigger than God. Come on. We are not. To think that I have anything to do with my own righteousness or my own goodness or my own forgiveness is not in the Bible. It is not in the Bible anywhere. Yeah. God is righteous. God is our judge. God is good. He forgives us, okay? Nothing can change the fact that we've done stuff wrong. Absolutely nothing. We're going to do things wrong. I guarantee it, okay? Um, nothing will change the fact that we've done things that perhaps we're ashamed of. What can change is our attitude. Growing up, the boys had a, uh, a bumper sticker in their room, and it said, change your attitude and you can change your life was there for a reason. We, we had a kid with an attitude and it needed to be changed on a daily basis. <laughs> so it hung above one of their beds and it said, change your attitude and you can change your life. That's what we have to do. We have to change our attitude. We have to change our attitude about the thing that we're ashamed of. You know, do the flip, right? Do the flip. Thank you, Jesus, that you have forgiven me. You've delivered me from lying, Amen. right? Lord, I was a sinner, and now I am one of your children. I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king, right? right? Flip it. Change your attitude about where you think your sin is at. Because if it's at the foot of the cross, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. No better place to be. I'm not going to self-condemn anymore. Do I do it? I struggle with it. Admittedly, I struggle with this. But you know what? I will pray in the Spirit. I will go before God. I will do whatever I need to do to get that out of my head because I'm not going to live there. I will be totally ineffectual for God if I choose to live there. Right. I, I will not be able to move forward in whatever he's called me to do in my life. All right? So conviction is a great thing, right? Conviction is a great thing. Conviction should drive you to your knees. Yep. It should put you in a place where you acknowledge your sin and you confess it. Condemnation? is not a good thing. Come 
It is not a good thing. You know what? Condemnation will do nothing but make you ineffectual as a Christian. It'll get you angry. It'll make you sad. You will cry. You will weep. And you know what? Eventually, you'll just feel like you'll never get out of it. So you'll keep sinning. You'll stay there. You'll stay there. You know, it'll eat you up inside. It'll totally eat you up inside. And when you spend more time, as I've said before, dwelling on all that is wrong, instead of praising God, you become totally ineffectual. And you know what? That'll put you in a place where it's going to be harder for you and you alone to get yourself out. You continually dig a hole and and put yourself in it. You are going to need God to move in a major way. If we don't dig the hole, then we can spend that time that God would send getting you out. And he'll do it. God will do it because we sang it today, right? There's no mountain high enough that you can go. There's nowhere you can go, no shadow that can cover you, that God will not come and find you out. He will seek you until you know the love of God. All right? So spend more time praising God. Allow the conviction to come into your life and forget about the condemnation. It's done. It's finished. God did it. I can't even imagine what uh, the first church would be like if Paul and Peter and Mary Magdalene and anybody else where we read that maybe they just really didn't, you know, they kind of weren't doing what God wanted. But, you know, they spent time with Jesus. Like really, really quality time with Jesus. And as they did, their lives changed. God got a hold of them, right? And they built the first church. They were people that could be counted on. You know, and, and what about in the Old Testament? What about Abraham and Sarah? What about Jacob? What about King David? You know, King David, that's one of the, the most well-known sins in the Bible. People who are not Christians know about King David. Ask them. They'll say, oh, yeah, he's the guy that committed adultery with that roof woman, right? Sometimes they don't remember that he killed Uriah, but they'll remember that, Okay. So, you know, we talk a lot at this church about being um, a man after God's own heart, how David was a man after God's own heart. So what did David do? What did David do? Let's turn to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. So David wrote this psalm when his, um, when his actions were found out, when when um, prophet came to him and, you know, basically said, you yeah, you know, you took Bathsheba in adultery and, and you murdered this guy and, you know, there were consequences. We all know the story. But David wrote this, song, this psalm to acknowledge his sin before God and to seek forgiveness. So Psalm 51, 1 through 4. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. David, he acknowledges his sin and he says to God, I sinned against you. When we sin against someone else, we're sinning against God. I think sometimes we go to the person and we ask them to forgive us and we feel like it's okay. 
But if you haven't asked God to forgive you for that sin, then you, you need to do that. It's great that, you know, that, that husbands and wives can seek each other's forgiveness and it flows. But you need to ask God. That's what David did. He acknowledges that. Okay? Um, David is sorrowful. He doesn't make excuses or blame others. He says, I did it. And he could have, right? You know, right? Adam said to God, the woman that you gave me, there's a whole, you know, people preach on that all the time. But um, David doesn't. He could have blamed a lot of people here, but he doesn't. He owns it. No blame shifting and no half-hearted confessions. It is really easy for everyone, I think, but I know for me to kind of, you know I didn't mean it. You know? You know I didn't mean it. God, I'm so sorry that this happened. I really didn't, like, I didn't mean it. You know, you did it. You did it. Doesn't matter if you thought you meant it or not. You did it. We're going to skip a couple verses here to verse 17. So, David has a broken spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you do not despise. So, you know, David didn't make excuses. He took ownership of it. And he just said, you know what, God? I'm a broken man and I'm coming before you. Like, make my heart whole. Make my heart whole. Bring me to a place where I can love you and serve you and know that you love me because I made a huge mistake. Let's go back to verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that my bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. So the child that Bathsheba um, carried will eventually die. You know, that's a pretty big bone to be broken. You lose a child. I've never lost a child, but I can't imagine. Um, but he says here, you know, make me to hear joy and gladness. You know what? David mourned. He interceded before God that that child would live, that child died, and then he worshiped God. He got up, cleaned himself up, and he worshiped God. We need to do the same thing. We need to get up, clean ourselves up, and worship Come God. Come on. Right? Come on. So there is a difference between knowing your sin and confessing your sin. And I think we've pretty much covered that, you know. But remember it, okay? Do the things that David did. If you get stuck in a rut and, and you just feel like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how to feel forgiven. You know, I don't know how to get there. Go back to Psalm 51. Read it over and over. Memorize it. You know, do whatever you have to do. Put it in your phone. Write it down with a short pencil, okay? Do what you need to do. Um, and if you're not doing those things now and you're kind of stuck in a, you know, I've got my Xerox copies and I carry them around in a suitcase, you know, start to do it. Start to do it. Do it today. Do it today. Do it now while you're sitting here listening to me. I'm fine if you ignore me because you're talking to God. I truthfully am. I truthfully am. Believe that God has heard you and he will restore you. You know, one of my favorite uh, verses is, I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. You can apply that to so much in your life, you know, but God will do it. God will do it. And then verse 12 through 15, restore to me the joy of your salvation 
and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips and my mouth to show forth your praise. So that stopped me in my tracks as I was, um, as I was putting this together. Like literally stopped me in my tracks, closed my Bible, closed my notes. And I had like this smile on my face like I do now because I can't even think about this without being overwhelmed with the goodness of God and joy. Because when I was, you know, dabbling, when I was like talking the talk but not walking the walk, you know, um, I went away to a conference when I was 21, 22, when I was 22. And um, I came back, and I was a changed person. God got a hold of me. I had a God moment for sure. And I came back, and um, this, is, this story is also one of the reasons why I'm not an active evangelist. I will witness to people about God and, and, and talk to them, but like, I'm just not as good as, as, I'm not as good as Lynn is. You know, she's excellent. She knows all the right scriptures. But anyway, I came back, and I was changed. And this guy that I worked with who, um, you know, He'd kind of made it known he wanted to take me for coffee, and we were friends, but that's really all I wanted. Came to me, and he was like, something's different about you. What is different? So I did what every good evangelist does. I whipped out the 17 pages of notes that I did at the conference, and after work, we sat on the dock, and I read them word for word, because it's all I had. <laughs> Changed me! <laughs> I was a new woman. So I did that, and um, within 48 hours... My wonderful, incredible, godly husband got saved. So when we, forget, when we confess our sins, God will restore to us the joy of our salvation. He'll uphold me with a generous spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Wow. Wow. So if you walk in the fact that your sins are forgiven, people are going to get saved. Woo, fall in my shadow because the Holy Spirit's going to move because I'm not a sinner anymore. Am I going to do everything right? No. But you know what? God is with me, and I've never had that happen again. Nobody has ever seen that much God in me, but he was worth getting saved that way, right? God moved so that I could have him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Go ahead. You can clap for that. Yes, it's okay. So how do we get there? How do we get there? You know what? We, we draw near to God. That's what it's all about. It's, it's all about you knowing God so much that you don't have time to remember all the sins that were in your life. Draw near to God. Spend time with God. Spend time in prayer. Bathe yourself in worship. Turn it on. Listen to it. Worship. Um, someone kind of corrected me because I, I shared my notes with a friend and said, you know, clearly worship to you is singing. It's music. And it is for me. We're created to worship. We're worshipful beings. But, you know, she said to me, you know, some people find worship in other things like nature and, and seeing God. And I know our son who climbs mountains, he, he's told me many a times, I never feel closer to God than when I'm on a mountain. That's where I can really meet one-on-one -on -one with God. So go wherever you can meet one-on-one -on -one with God and get to know him. Yeah. Worship, pray, spend time. Be part of a church. So it's awesome that we have you guys joining us online. 
and whatever we say here, we hope is in your homes. We hope that right now you're able to put aside whatever sin you've been holding on to or even sins that are forgiven and know that you've been cleansed of it. Know that God has made you whole. And then surround yourself with godly influences. I kind of touched on that, but you know, we need to be around godly people. It does not mean you should not walk through the world. We have to go to work. Invite an unsaved friend for coffee. Yeah. He, he was my friend. Fred was my friend. But that was going to be it because he wasn't saved. God got him saved. We're never going to get people saved if we don't talk to the unsaved. Right? So, you know, come outside of yourself. But surround yourself with godly influences. If you feel like, first of all, there is sin in your life, you need to get rid of it. But if you feel like, I have confessed this, and why don't I feel the presence of God? Get yourself with a, a godly person, a godly woman, a godly man, and talk things through. Because maybe you just need to get it out of you. And maybe they need to pour some, some of the word into you. You know? So do that. Um, so to close, Psalm 103, 11, 12. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There exists no fixed point between the east and the west. The prime meridian was created to make maps. Okay? If we go east to Asia from JFK, we're going east. But if I'm in California and I go to Asia, I'm actually traveling west by compass point. There's, the world is round, right? So east, west, you could chase it all you want and you're never going to catch that sin again because God has forgiven it as far as the east is from the west. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you very, very much for listening today and may God bless you all. Amen. Amen.